fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at C4Energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Switzer. I'm the Clydesdale. I am so honored to have with me Tristan Patrick. What's going on, Tristan? Not much. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Uh, Funny story, right before we went on air, I was actually chatting with Hattie. Oh, really? uh, Really? DMs, uh, because in researching you, I saw that she's becoming a coach. Yes, Uh, yes. Uh, and so I congratulated her and think that's an awesome move for her and for you guys. Um, she's just an amazing person. But we'll get into her a little bit more detail uh, as we go through the show. But I just, she said she was going to hop on early. So we might get to see her in the comments. Oh, fun. Awesome. awesome. Uh, so, so I'm with Tristan. Uh, Tristan, we talked briefly as we were following Kelly Baker through the season. Uh, but it was very specific to Kelly. And so I really wanted to get to know you and kind of your origin story and where, how you ended up where you are here today. So the first I had heard of you was with Kelly. Okay. Um, I know that you helped coach Greater Heights last season uh, mm-hmm. to a CrossFit Games birth. Mm-hmm. What, how did you get into that role? Where did it all begin? Yeah, so I was coaching. I co-owned an affiliate down here in the greater Houston area um, and was coaching there. And um, as Ascend Athlete was being formed, um, I got asked to come on board, um, which I jumped at the opportunity of. Um, That was right about the time where I really turned the page from trying to be a competitive athlete myself and diving really deep into the coaching side of things. I been a coach a long time. Um, but I had always, I always had my own competitive aspirations. Um, so I got offered to come on board, came on board, um, started coaching some athletes with Ascend and things like that. Got involved a little bit with the team that we had at Greater Heights last year. That was our first Ascend team and just kind of started to get to know, you know, Kelly and Duncan and those guys and things like that. And then, that was kind of the start of that whole thing. So before that, you wanted to be a competitive athlete yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I joined, like I started doing CrossFit with the goal of going to the games. Yeah. I was, uh, overseas in 2015, well, late 14, um, early 15. And I saw the games on ESPN. And was like, well, I'm going to go do that. Uh, started doing it on my own on the base overseas, just figuring it out. It was not pretty. <laughs> and uh, immediately, like, I got back. I went to an affiliate. I started going to classes, stuck around extra, did that whole thing. And that was really my initial kind of thing into CrossFit was I wanted to compete. Um but I did have a friend who I used to work out with overseas that was in my unit. And 
I would help him with his movement with like the traditional lifts, like squat, bench, deadlift, all that stuff. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. And at that time, I just kind of noticed on like YouTube and stuff, everybody who was going to the games also coached typically. So I was like, well, I'm going to go coach and I'm going to train and go to the games. And that was the plan. So you were in the military. What, what branch? I was in the army. Yeah. Okay. And how, were you in a long time? No, I, I did four years. I went in right after high school. Um, my original plan all growing up was to be a career soldier. That was what my plan was. And then uh, got in the military. Some things changed, wanted to go to college, wanted to get an education and also found CrossFit. And that was before they had like the Army Warrior Fitness team, which I'm still a little bit bitter. I missed out on um, and things like that. So I ended up making the decision to leave the military and kind of pursue CrossFit and coaching and academics and things like that. And you got a degree in like a coaching type occupation, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'm wrapping up my bachelor of science in strength and conditioning. Okay. Yeah. So, so you get back to the States and then what, what are you doing to employ yourself and to train and coach? I, I, got, I got a job at an affiliate. I started coaching. Yeah. So I got back. Um, I had about six months before I, I got out of the military before my terminal leave. Um, I also had a torn ACL at that time. So I ended up exiting the military, got my knee fixed and then started coaching at uh, CrossFit Bay area, which is no longer a thing, but that was the gym at the time. Um, which looking back in hindsight, I was really fortunate. So that was where Jordan cook trained out of, um, and coached. And so Jordan was there. Travis Williams was there. Um, Alexis Johnson was there in and out. Um, and I wanted to be competitive. So it was, Hey, here's three games athletes at the time, individuals, like there's your standard, like see if you can get up to it. Right. So I got a lot of help early on from there. And some of my best friends who were coaches there then who are my best friends now helped me a lot as well. So. So I've heard Kelly say that when she was looking for a coach, you were a you were a guy who geeked out over all the stuff that goes into making an athlete. Uh -huh. Is how accurate is that statement? I am a super nerd disguised as a jock. I am a yeah, super. That's nerd. why you wear the glasses, just so yeah, you can, you can hit the persona. <laughs> so these are these are blue light glasses because on Thursday I basically stare at my computer screen all day, and I started to get headaches. Uh, okay. But yeah, I uh, very much enjoy discussions on programming, things like that. Like my degree, obviously strength conditioning. I've probably done over 10,000 hours of like self-learning in terms of powerlifting, Olympic lifting, like energy system training down to the cellular level, really. Um, so... So Ascend is forming. They mm -hmm. reach out to you. Were you immediately their head coach? No, no, that took a little bit of time. So that really came about. Um, 
So the gym that I used to co-own, uh, Skylab Fitness, which was an evolution of CrossFit Bay Area. So I started coaching there, ended up becoming part of the ownership team there. And then we just had a series of circumstances unfold where um, we had to close our doors. So we closed our doors. I was coaching for Ascend, but I wasn't in that head coach role yet. And then through kind of that gym ending, I had more time on my hands. Um, the, the gym Ascend is based out of CrossFit Greater Heights is about a 35 minute drive for me. So when I was, you know, co-owning the affiliate, I couldn't get up there that often except on the weekends. But then when we closed, I had a lot more time. I could get up there more and things like that. So those things kind of led to that progression of me going from just like another one of the coaches stepping into that head coach role. And it was also, I would say, due to a little bit of my super nerdiness, um, really like I have these thoughts and frameworks in my head of how we should train people for the sport, how a year of training should look, what does periodization for CrossFit look like, things like that. So I kind of got put in that role to kind of lead through those frameworks and things like that. So I've often referred to you as like a new kid on the block. Yeah. And all, and all the jokes come pouring in every time I say that because you, you, it seems like you came out of nowhere, but yeah. really you were putting together building blocks for six, seven years before this happened. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been coaching uh, a good while and I also am a relatively aware person because I enjoy particularly since we're talking about the programming side of things, I enjoy programming. I always have. So whatever training I was doing, you know, while I was chasing my own athletic goals, I was always paying attention. Like, what does this workout look like? How did that feel? Why did that work? What's the structure of the training look like? All those different things. And I, I paid attention to a lot of that. Um, and I think that helped me learn um, as I went. And I was also, I tried a lot of different things. You know, I, I've done different programs in the past. I, I programmed for myself for a year. I've had injuries. I've had things go spectacularly in terms of improving my own capacity and things. I've had things go terribly in terms of improving my own capacity. So a lot of those things helped me a lot. And I've been really fortunate and incredibly grateful. I have um, a handful of very, very smart friends who are just as nerdy as me that I've been able to talk about fitness and CrossFit and training and powerlifting and adaptation and all these different things with to help me build the kind of frameworks and things that I work off of. Yeah, I've always said, and actually in my graduate coursework did a whole um, presentation on if I'm the smartest person in the room, I need to find a different room. Yes, absolutely. Right. Cause I can't grow yeah. if I'm not learning. Right. And I, you've got to be learning. And so surrounding yourself with smart friends is a smart thing to do. Yeah. And it was just really fortunate, like just kind of the right place, the right time and met some cool people who are really smart. And, you know, two of them are two of my closest friends. I was talking to one of them, we've talked twice on the phone today about programming and that's just kind of like what we do. Um, and it's a lot of fun for us and it's been really helpful for me. So you've really in a short amount of time as head coach of Ascend 
you have taken them from a relatively unknown kind of training camp and put them on the map. Um, was that the plan all along? Um, I mean, on one hand, I guess I could say yes, but then on the other hand, I could say my guiding, my guiding goal is always to set my athletes up for success. If that results in CrossFit games and semifinals placements and things like that, and we have those goals, then, then great. Um, but I wouldn't say my thought was to put ascend on the map necessarily. Like that's a, that's a byproduct of us doing the right thing for our athletes. Yeah. I like that answer. That's, that's a good answer. Um, so, so let's, let's kind of talk about where it started because your first was Jacob or Kelly, your first individual athlete. So Jacob was technically my first, he was definitely my first Ascend athlete. Yes. Okay. So Jacob had started, he uh, started coming to the gym that I co-owned that ended up closing. Um, he was getting into PTA school, wanted to be competitive, clearly had a lot of natural talent, um, had barely missed semis once already. And you know, was following one of the programs out there that you have a lot of options of things to do every day. And he was like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do here. Like, I don't have time to do all this. So I was like, Hey, I'll help you out. Like, I'll kind of tell you like, Hey, you should probably do this. Probably shouldn't do that stuff like that. And kind of adjusted things for him. And that was how our, how our relationship started. And then when I went to Ascend, he kind of came on board with me. Okay. So that's Jacob Marlowe for our audience. Yes. Um, who was the semifinalist this year. Um, and then when you came to Ascend, was Kelly the first kind of outside person to join you at Ascend? No, I had taken on probably half a dozen remote athletes as, okay. the, as, as we went through last season and people started to find the name and things like that. So I was coaching some remote people and things like that at the time when Kelly and I had, you know, kind of our conversation and things like that after last season. But the only like in person or close to you there in Houston was Jacob. Yeah, Jacob, um, the team, and then, yeah, it would be Kelly. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, you're doing some remote coaching. You've got the team and you've got Jacob. And, you know, I asked Kelly flat out, like, why Tristan? Like, you didn't have you didn't have a long runway of evidence uh, to bring to her. And she was like, I wanted to be coached in person. He was such a geek and nerd about all of that stuff. I knew I was going to be in great hands. So when you look at someone like that who, you know, took a break from individual competing for five years, decides they're going to make a comeback in one kind of last run to see if they can do it, they're putting a lot in your lap. Yeah. Because right? her competition window is not super long anymore, right? Right. And you got to do it, and you got to do it now. Uh -huh. So when when she comes to you, do you think, 
oh my gosh, what am I getting into? Or this is the challenge I need uh, to be great. Yeah, yeah, more the the challenge I need to to be great. I uh, I mean, I was definitely a little nervous about it, but so this is a lot of the way I think about coaching. At the end of the day, she's just a person. The principles of making somebody faster, fitter, stronger, and better are the same, whether you're Kelly Baker or Jacob Marlowe, the specifics of what they might need vary and the degree of their capacities vary, right? But the principles of training somebody are the same. Like there's ways to make people stronger. There's, and, and the ways are many, the methods are many, but the principles are few. So I was like, okay, I'm going to apply these principles and I'm going to make a damn sure I'm going to make damn sure I'm doing it right. And the rest should take care of itself. So let's talk capacity, right? We talk about that with athletes all the time. You're a coach, you're coming in and you go from zero to 80, where you went from no semifinal athletes last year to now you have, what is it? Five individuals and a team. I had five individuals in the East, a team, or excuse me, five individuals in the West, a team in the West. And then I had a lady on a team in the East. So yeah, zero to, okay, maybe 95. Yeah. So now it's capacity. Now mm-hmm. you, you're confident in your knowledge of, and what you know. Now you've got to apply it to what? That's 10 different personalities? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so walk us through what, what that thought process is. In terms of the planning and preparation or actually at the event? Planning and preparation. All right. yeah, the, the event we have is a whole nother section of this. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Uh, so I think really communicating to them why we're doing what we're doing. Um, I've never, I always, I'm a, I'm an asker. Like why? Like I was that kid in school. Why do I have to do this? Right. Um, and so always being forward in the communication of like, this is why we're doing this right now. This is why we're not doing this right now. This is, you know, so we can do this later. I think helped a lot and get a lot of buy-in and put some nerves at ease for people. And then doing my due diligence on making those, you know, individual adjustments, right? Like the, the strength work that Kelly Baker needs versus as an easy example, Jacob Marlowe is very different. Jacob is 22 years old and snatched 300 pounds. Like, he doesn't need to snatch very much for the next year, right? Like we could probably lose a little bit of that and still be fine. So I think really just doing my due diligence as a coach and applying the things that make sense for each athlete. Um, obviously in the team sense, it was referencing that around a lot of like, where do we need more team cohesion or things like that? And then also who needs what improvement, where to improve the overall team performance. Um, I don't know. I think 
I'll, most good athletes have a pretty good bullshit meter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like if, if I would have been making Kelly do a bunch of really silly stuff, she probably would have been like, eh, this doesn't really make sense. Right. Like, so I think the biggest thing though, is just communicating the reason we're doing these things. And if they ever have questions, just answering them like, Hey, this is why I made you do this. Right. So on top of that, and I, and I think probably the logistics of strengths and weaknesses might even be the easy part, but I have interviewed almost every one of your athletes, right? And they have drastically different personalities. Yeah. Right. Like we're, yeah. we're not talking close at all. No. And I, and I love every one of them. They are, they are just amazing people, but Savannah and Madison are completely different people. Oh yeah. So, so now you, you throw that into the fold in your first year going to semifinals and you've got to, you've got to deal with all that. And we're, we'll talk about that at the event, but also leading up to the event, Madison told me you were the, the first person that made her believe that she could do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I, be, I believe in my athletes like, and, and it's a sport, right? So like, we have to reference these expectations and things off of sport metrics, right? Like Jacob knew he probably wasn't going to make the games this year, right? Like to for semifinal, like, and he got a great experience out of it. But so for somebody like Madison, it's like, why not? Like you're plenty strong enough. You're plenty gymnastics enough. Like we're going to keep working on your fitness, but wh why why couldn't you be fighting for a game spot? Like, what's the rub? So, like, I strongly believe in, like, my athletes, all of their abilities to improve and go perform. And then I believe in their ability to compete. Like, especially an athlete like Madison, who's been around. Like, She's not only been around the CrossFit space, but she's been around in competitive things for a long time, right? Mixed martial arts and that stuff. So it's like, why, why would you not be able to step out on the floor and, and contend? Yeah. Yeah. When you say it, it makes complete sense, but it seems to be, seems to be a dilemma in the sport of belief in oneself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so I think a lot of the problem or not the problem but the the issue there is it's a sport so it's comparison based right like there's always going to be that opportunity for comparison we know constant comparison is a massive issue in long term progress right you can't cuz psychologically it's just going to beat yourself down you're never going to appreciate your own improvement if you're always chasing the white rabbit. Right. And most of the times there's always going to be a bigger fish. So I try to leverage back on looking at people's own improvements. Right. And that for me goes back to my job of like, my job is to make your physiology better than it was referenced against the sport demands and then 
that over time can help give them a little bit more confidence, right? They see they're running faster. They see they're lifting more. They see they're feeling fitter than ever and they're recovered and their joints don't hurt or whatever. Um, yeah, the, the psychology side of the sport though is, is really hard on athletes, um, especially just depending on their individual personalities, because not only is it, like I said, a, there's a leaderboard, like you're going to get weighed and measured at some point, but there's also social media and there's also off season competitions all freaking year. So it's like, you're always getting like, if you expose yourself to it in a negative way, you're always going to be able to see like, Oh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Um, so I just try to always give them a lot of perspective and keep them focused on what, what we're doing today. Right. Cause I assume that responsibility. It's my job to have you do what you're doing today so that you're ready for what we have to do when it's time to do it. If you just come in and focus on doing what you have to do today and putting your effort into that and your recovery and all those other things, then it's my responsibility to get you as close to that goalpost as possible. Right. Yep. So, and, and I love what, you know, you have all this social media stuff out there and in our sport, there's so much online competition yeah. And there, there are variables that the athlete cannot control. So you, you may be comparing an apple to an orange yep. because yep. they set up their floor different. Did they follow every rule like you did? Yep. Did they, you know, there's all that going on and it just makes it, it's almost like you have to dismiss it mm -hmm. just folk and get your athletes to focus on one main goal and not the comparison. And I'd love that, that you do that. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted I want to talk about the business side of things too, right? Before we get into semis, which is going to be our next piece, but okay. you become a coach, right? And to to thrive in this this CrossFit world, you need athletes. Sure. Right. So, were you prepared to dive into that part, almost like recruiting in college football? Right. You there's eight camps out there. They all want the same athlete. And you have to make your visits to see if you're the right fit for that person. Right. right. I would say I have a terrible social media strategy for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a social media wizard by any means. Um, I just try to communi communicate what we're doing. I mean, if you look at my social media, most of my last recent posts are posts of my athletes or that they've collaborated on. So it's on my feed of them doing what they do. Um, I, I don't know. I think. So let me, let me try to make it easier on you. Right. Okay. You and Kelly go to the fittest experience. Mm -hmm. Kelly wins. Right. Right. Right after that, you get Savannah and Madison because yeah. they were there. Is, is that your marketing approach to just let people see what you can do? And if they're interested, be available to them? Basically. I mean, so the two things that come to mind on this topic is social proof, right? You have to have social proof what you're doing works, which thankfully like, that has happened. Um, 
so I don't look like a crazy person. And the second thing is, and this is a like a principle I heard from a guy named Dr. Jordan Shallow. Um, he's a fitness guy, physical therapist, this, that, and the other, but performance is the proxy. He said that. And I, I, I have it written on like all of my spreadsheets when I'm programming, like my job is to increase your performance, my athlete's performance. If that happens and leads to the success that we're looking for, like you said, people will notice. So let's go to semifinals because I think I could talk to you all day and I, I want to just keep this moving a little bit. Yeah, and that is, let's, let's start with the team. So you have team Einhorn CrossFit Ascend. Yes. Yeah. They finished ninth in the West. Going in, did is that where you believed and they believed they would finish? Did you did they finish higher, lower? What how did that go for them? We we knew that we would be contending for a place, but we also knew it wouldn't be a guarantee. Um so the goal for them was to qualify, right? Like that was our goal. We wanted to go to the games and um, having them come in ninth was even a little sweeter than if they would have come in 10th um, and just qualified. But, you know, we just knew that it was going to be hard. Um, we came in 16th out of quarters before a penalty. Penalty dropped us into 23rd on one of our workouts so starting the weekend in the second heat, like, it was like, hey, we got to go to work today to get ourselves out of this heat and get up where we need to. And they, I could not be more proud of how they executed that weekend. Like they did exactly what they needed to do as a team and individuals. And they earned their spot, man. Like being in the third heat or the second heat of the day for the first event, putting up an eighth place, like no better way for us to have started that weekend. And, you know, we had some events that were tough for us and they did a great job of just kind of taking it on the chin and moving on to the next one. And I'm so proud of them. So it was a new format this year at semis where the teams got their own day on day one mm -hmm. and then individuals joined them on day two. Teams finished on day three. Individuals had their own on, on day four. So you start your weekend with just your team. Yep. yep. Was that a good way to just kind of get your feet wet? Just be able to work with them and kind of get the ball rolling before it all the chaos kicked off on day two for you? I would say so. Yeah, it was kind of a soft open to it a little bit. Um but yeah, it was a good, I mean, I think Kelly, if I'm remembering the days right, like she checked in that day too um, and all that stuff. So, but yeah, it was a good little easing into the weekend because definitely those middle two days were the, the busiest days. So Jeffrey Birchfield asks, Einhorn is in New Braunfels. Is Tristan from there? No. So I'm out in Houston. Um, if we're talking where I'm from, from, I'm actually originally from New Mexico. Okay. And then, uh, one of your athletes just said, hi, hi Tristan, hi, hi friends. 
Um, so, so you get the team off to a good start. Yeah. yeah. Then, so how does it, as a coach, like you probably already have your coach's badge because you, you check the team in early. So do you need to be there when the athletes check in or? So I, actually, I did not get the team's coaches pass. Um, they have a good friend who helps me out a little bit. He's like my eyes and ears over there. Um, he got their coaches pass. And then I waited to get Kelly's coaches pass. Um, okay. And the biggest reason I did that is I wanted to make sure I had Kelly's pass so that if there was any weird curveball rules about appeals or anything weird, that I had her pass and was her coach for anything that we had to handle together. And then and how does it work with all the other athletes then? So um, my fiance actually took Jacob's coach's pass. Um, ironically, she also coached him at the fittest experience. Um, so she had done that a little bit before with him. We had spoken about that. He was comfortable with it. Um, she knows her way around CrossFit. She, um, I coach her actually, and she is a physical therapist. So she took his pass. Um, Madison's boyfriend took her pass. Tyler, Savannah's husband had her coach's pass. And then Jake had Hattie's coach's pass. And the way, the way I kind of tried to manage things was everybody had their warmups readily available for them to warm up on. And like Tyler, um, Jake, Courtney, like they had those as well to help put them through if I was not available to be helping them warm up and things like that. And then the only real time that it was a pain, so to speak, was I would be usually having to warm up Kelly and be with her kind of in the back, moving to the corral while Hattie or Madison or Savannah were competing. So I would like warm her up or if she was like not going to warm up yet, I would run over there, watch their event for as much as I could. Then I would run back and warm up Kelly, be there with her through the warm up process and all of that stuff, and then go watch her event. Um, so I definitely had a lot of help. And, but I tried to make it as streamlined as possible. I had everybody's phone numbers. So if anything weird happened, they could text me, call me, whatnot, and I could be there as quickly as I could. What's what people may not understand who were not there is the athlete warm up area and the event area were two buildings apart. Yeah. So you literally had to go, unless you got access to like the freight elevator and the tunnel. You had to run outside down the sidewalk to get to the athlete area and then out and up the sidewalk back to the venue yeah. To, yeah. to get back and forth. So that was a lot. You put in a lot of steps that weekend, I'm sure. Uh, actually, I walked enough that weekend that for the first time since I got out of the military, my feet hurt from walking. I got like 30,000 steps several days. That's crazy. Yeah. So, and, and I got to tell you as a media member, right. We almost have to, because we're a small media company, we sure. have to almost make the conscious decision that we just can't cover teams because we have to have time to upload time to 
do all these things. I can't even imagine. There were times you, you had to go like three hours straight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I drink, I drink a unhealthy amount of Jocko go. Well, we support C4, so. Yes, I, I love C4 to death. But yeah, I uh, somebody asked me on the way back um, how I handled my like nutrition. And I was like, I didn't. Right. <laughs> I, I ate a handful of snacks throughout the day that I stole from my athlete snack bags. And then I would eat as many calories as I could when I got back to the hotel before I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about warming up athletes, making sure they have all that. Do they know their strategy going into the weekend or are you talking about that at all based on what you see on the floor? So for most of them, they had a good idea of how they were going to approach the workouts based on how we did it in testing. Again, this kind of leads back to that point earlier, like what you can do is only what you can do right? You can maybe make some little tweaks and adjustments and adrenaline is a great drug in the moment and you're racing, but it's a metric based sport most of the time. So they knew kind of their game plan in terms of how to approach each workout. They knew how they felt. We had done some intervals, you know, and we tested them as well. So, but definitely was something like we reiterated and discussed and things like that in the back more so just so they knew that that was the plan and we talked about the plan. So they knew what they were doing going in to kind of ease the nerves a little bit and things like that. Um, but yeah, not a ton. I'm trying to think if there was any really big adjustments strategy wise for the Indies that we made or even the team. I don't think so. I guess my thought process is right. Going into Orlando, we didn't know what the right. was. we didn't know the rock complex right stuff right you and you had maybe three or four days to kind of discuss that before you leave for pasadena yep, yep. um so you had a little bit of an advantage over the coaches in orlando oh definitely yeah yeah we had we definitely played with the ruck a little bit more leading up to semis um obviously we realized that event one was all about the sled and not about the machines. So we did some really, really heavy sled pulls. Like, I don't know. I think, I think we ended up putting like 10 plates on the sled for Jacob in the gym to just get it heavy enough that he couldn't easily like just pull it, you know? Um, and then also just discuss like, Hey, let's pull these paces back. Probably like, we know this is going to be a lot more taxing. I actually just did the event, um, the Monday after the East. Cause they had, our, they had just done everything. And I was like, I just want to know how this feels so that I can maybe communicate with them. So I just went to the gym and put enough plates on the sled that I couldn't pull it hand over hand. And then I just did the event to try to give them some feedback. So because you were trying to be a competitive athlete, you have an advantage where you can jump in and test it yourself and know kind of where the limiters are going to be or know where the paces need to be. What kind of an, an advantage does that give you? Um, I think kind of just what you said, right? Like I can find the limiters and stuff. And I can also just feel how the workout's going to feel. I'm by no means super crazy fit anymore or anything like that. Um, 
And some events like I would have to adjust or scale to test directly. Um, my strength was never really at that semifinal level. So the like run snatch, like if I wanted to do those touch and go right now, I probably wouldn't be able to do 185. Um, but I do from being in the military, um, it's very ingrained in me to lead from the front until I can't. And that's not in a sense to say like, I need to be a semifinal athlete. Cause there's absolutely no way I could do that with coaching the way I do, but I train hard. I do CrossFit, I lift weights. Right. And I, I do those things and I do uncomfortable things. And a lot of the times when I am training now, I'm testing something that I might want to a workout structure or something like that. Uh, that I might want to use or see if it has some kind of potential use for fitting it in for an athlete or something. So I think it does help me at least in a sense to have my ear close to the ground in terms of how a workout might feel or a stimulus might feel or things like that. And I, and I don't think that's something that all coaches need, right? Like I don't think, I don't think Justin Kotler needs that because he's been in the game at this level for so long that he just kind of knows like all those things at that point. Like I can look at a workout and have a pretty good idea how it's going to feel, but we all miss sometimes, right? Like we can say, Oh, this workout's going to get your grip. And then you go do the workout and you're like, actually, I just can't breathe. So I do think it helps me. And I do also think it helps me be more creative. Yeah. I mean, our, our gym owners test the workouts themselves before they give it to the affiliate. Like, right. They want to make it the best workout possible for just the average everyday CrossFitters. Yeah. So it only makes sense that you would do that. um, That you would do that on your, on your behalf for your athletes. If you can. So I, I get that. Yeah. Um, so let's, so we, we talked about the team. Then now your one male athlete is Jacob Marlowe. Uh, he finished 27th in, uh, for that weekend. He's only 22 years old. Yeah. Which in, in the men's division is super young. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, he finished 27. He finished had big finishes on the snatch and Linda. Yep. Uh, you said he was a strong athlete. That makes sense. Yeah. Did, did he get everything he needed out of that weekend being 22 years old and just having that experience? A hundred percent. 100%. So I'm assuming that his off season is engine. Oh yeah. He's about to do more burpees than he ever wanted to. Yeah. No, he, we have kind of known what his strengths and weaknesses are and we've been working on those. Right. And he's gotten massive improvements on them, but it's different to be like, Oh, like we know you're strong. And then to go at a semifinal and get 10th in Linda and fourth in the snatch. It's like, okay, we're good. Like we're good. Let's go get really fit and really good at gymnastics for the next 50 whatever weeks, right? 49 weeks. And that's a great thing you bring up 
what is when does your off season start with your athletes who did not make the games? So the ones who are back into the gym, they're literally in their like first or second week. Um, okay. And it's very low volume in totality. We're starting to address the weaknesses and things like that, but there's a lot of aerobic work, things like that. If they have any injuries, things like that, we're addressing that right now, making sure those go away. Um, not letting them spend hours upon hours in the gym, trying to get them kicked out of the gym for a little bit so they can go have a life um, and things like that. So it's a individualized process for sure. In terms of, you know, you have those athletes who you try to get them out of the gym and they're just like, no, I'm going back to the gym, which has its own strengths and weaknesses. But for me, it's very much just trying to make sure we're not in the gym too much right now. We're starting to address the things we know we need to improve on. We're addressing our base gymnastics. We're addressing our, you know, low intensity aerobic conditioning, our capacity, you know, all that stuff um, to start setting up the foundation to really build upon in the next kind of preseason. Okay. And then do you look at efficiencies and technique stuff now? Yeah. Um, and then because – you have from like now till January for all of that, right? Yeah. And then when January comes, things, shit gets real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just want to confirm that. Yeah. Then you have, so I'm going to go down through your list of athletes and we're going to finish with Kelly because I've got more specific questions about that. Okay. So I'm going to start with Savannah. Okay. Savannah, uh, she's a mom. Um, yeah. When I talk to her, I don't think she expected to make semis this year. Like she just started with you a few months ago and here yeah, she is yeah. at semis. And in my opinion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, she was there for the experience this year. It was something unexpected and go soak it in and enjoy it and see where you need to get better. hundred percent. Yeah. We had, to, you know, like you said, we didn't start working together until after TFX she wanted to make semis. I was like, okay. Like we looked at where she was last year. I was like, all right, well, let's see if we can make that happen. Um, didn't really know because she made a really big jump, like you guys discussed on when you had her on. So it was like we didn't really know if that would turn out the way we were hoping, but she freaking pulled it off. And I don't know if she told you this. Uh, she did event five. I was. I'm still so proud of this. She did event five. Text me her time and she was like, I also think I'm getting sick. And I was like, Hey, I don't think, I don't think that time's going to play. She was like, okay. She went back into the gym the next day, sick and did it like a minute faster. She's a rock star, man. Yeah. Wow. Tough as they come. And that's at the quarterfinal level. Yeah. That was at quarterfinals to make, okay. to make sense. So, but yeah, she learned, I mean, obviously learned a ton, um, which some of those lessons are kind of hard learned, right? Like doesn't necessarily feel good at the time, but she, we talked, she took a lot away from it. We learned a lot in terms of some things that we can really focus on that will help for, you know, next year and things like that. But I was super proud of how she did. 
Yeah, and you look at like the leaps she made from January to May. Yeah, like that's got to give you optimism going into the next season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So then we go to Madison, Madison Mm -hmm. McAfee, who has become one of my favorite people in the world. She's awesome. Um, She's just a complete badass who is so talented in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But I, when I got to interview her at the event and she was having a full-on asthma attack when we talked to her. Yep. So, so now you have other variables coming in to coaching. Yep. Now it's not just her performance on the floor. It's now she can't breathe. Right. So walk me through what that process is like. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was like, first thing is like, are you okay? Like how bad is this, this, that, and the other, just cause I don't have a reference point for how bad her, that asthma attack was versus normal asthma attacks, those kind of things with her. Um, but yeah, she had an asthma attack, obviously took the wind out of her sails a little bit in terms of the performance for that weekend. Um, but she and I, you know, talked, we hadn't also been working together very long. Um, and she had already made a lot of strides in her fitness and her, you know, performance. So we just kind of had those conversations and was like, all right, well, we're going to move through the weekend as best we can after this has happened. Cause we can't change it now and give it hell for the next two days. And then we'll reset and refocus and, and kind of go from there. And I think the reason she's one of my favorites now is like, I was having asthma attacks that weekend. Like that air quality was not great. Right. And, um, and I, and I, so I just, I empathized because I was there with her. Like I, I had had attacks throughout the weekend. Yeah. Um, But I think the thing that was cool for me when I interviewed her was she was ready to kind of give up on CrossFit totally until Mm -hmm. she met you. Yeah. Um, and then, and I don't know where she is today after that weekend, but in our interview, she was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this a little bit longer. And I know now, according to her Instagram, she's working out early in the morning cause she got a new job. She's had to adjust a lot of things. Yep. So yep. how does that change what you do with her moving forward? Um, biggest thing is, it's convenient right now in the sense that I don't want her in the gym for hours upon hours at a time. So the fact that she can't be in the gym for hours at a time is kind of makes my job easier. Um, but right now for her, she has a pretty set framework of things that she needs to improve on. She's a little bit like Jacob. She's very strong. She's very good at gymnastics. Um, one of our focuses though is, really learning how to manage the asthma as much as we can. Um, you know, she came to Houston and did all of the semifinals events and was fine. And our air quality is not much better than Pasadena's, you know, like, so that's something she and I have discussed and really want to dig into over the next year is what steps can we take to be proactive to make sure that this doesn't happen again on that weekend when it matters the most. 
Yeah, and that makes complete sense. And asthma, like I'm still trying, I'm trying to figure that out myself. And it's not an easy thing to pinpoint. No. So, so then we go to another one. And you, you have like all my favorite athletes, uh, Hattie, Hattie Kenyo. Um, she just, she, it just seems like she's right there on the edge. Like she's so close yeah. to getting over that, over that hump. And it's, so I'm going to ask you, what is it going to take to get her over that hump? And once she breaks through, in my opinion, she's going to flourish. It's just getting her over that in the first place. I think we, we do have some of the nuts and bolts things to work on in terms of the physiology and the fitness and the strength and things. Um, but something she and I discussed is definitely just being a little bit more comfortable competing. I think, and I think you and her talked about this and I'm sure you know this, like she's just such a happy, energetic, awesome person that when the stress and the like anxiety of competition, I just think that really doesn't bode well for her in terms of giving a stellar performance for her psychology. So that's something we've discussed a little bit is getting a little bit more exposure in some competitions, still making sure we're really training for that long-term picture of next year's semifinals, but figuring out ways and the mindset and the kind of environment and energy she needs to be in at a comp like that to keep her feeling loose and happy and, you know, having a good time so that she can perform her best. So then you, and I don't, I'm going to make this statement. I don't want you to make this statement because I know as an athlete and coach, no excuses, right? It's, you got to do what you got to do. Yes. But yeah. She got dealt some shit from some judges early in that weekend. Yes. Um, it Did that contribute to amplify the stress? And is there a way to figure out where you just got to forget it and move on and get her to like not dwell on that? So yeah, the first question is absolutely, right? Like event one, like it got figured out we had the appeal and it got done, but that took two hours. It was like a huge stressful thing, obviously very upsetting for her, all of those things. So yeah, that definitely played an impact. The second question didn't go very well either. No, that didn't go, go well either. Yeah. Like day, day one was just fucking tough. Like right. for, for Hattie, like it, it was fucking tough. Um, the second, like, how do we kind of learn to move on from those things? This is definitely going to be the opinion of somebody who was in the military, but compartmentalization in the right ways, I think is a superpower. Yes, we need to deal with the emotions and all those things, but we know that the body has physiological responses to emotional inputs right and those things so learning to just you know short-term memory let it go definitely think about it revisit it later but right now can't change the past 
we got to do what we got to do for the next event. And it's so easy for me to say, and it's so hard to do unless you've practiced it a lot. And unless you've gotten the reps and really think about doing it that way. Um, But I think that's something that will help a lot for her. And I think it's something a lot of athletes struggle with. Oh, when I was a division one swimmer, I couldn't, I could not compartmentalize. When I was a baseball player, I could not compartmentalize. Like I, I get it. Like I can empathize with them because I was not good at, I sucked bad at compartmentalizing my emotions. It's hard. Um, so then we get to, and, and so you said there's some nuts and bolts to work on with Hattie. Mm-hmm. Are you optimistic that next year she's going to be able to clear that hurdle? Yeah. Yeah. I think she's going to be a problem next year. Because awesome. from, from the nuts and bolts perspective for me, I didn't really start helping and training Hattie until a couple months before the, like a couple, like a month or so before the open. So, and that, that is, I guess, where the super nerd in me comes out. And I just like go like this. Cause I'm like the things I can do in a year with somebody on the, on the nuts and bolts side. Cause all these things play into each other, right? It's like, if we get better at the nuts and bolts side and we're doing better in events and competitions, it's real easier to stay happier. Right. Yeah. So you don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. So we want to work on all those things. Yeah. And the more confident you are on each element of what may pop up, yeah. the more the happier you'll stay because you don't, you don't dread anything coming down the line. Right. Right. Um, so then we move to Kelly, right? Uh, the person we've been following this whole season. And I got to say, I, I was, <laughs> I was nervous as hell day one. Like it did not start the way I thought it was going to start. So I will say as a, as a group, we had a slow day one. I event one, I saw going very differently in my mind. (laughs) Uh, That fucking sled sky. I know. Um, but yeah, didn't go the last thing I'm going to say, um, cause I'm not here to come. This is not a show to complain. Totally. But Jamie and I are there. We're walking down the floor and Jamie's pointing to me. That lane's going to be a problem. That lane's going to be a problem that, and if you can do that before a sled has been pulled yeah. and then she hit it dead on every time there's a problem. Yep. Event two. Event two for Kelly, honestly, wasn't from a performance perspective on what she's capable of was not bad. Like she did well for like her and I's expectations on that event. Yeah. The thing with the, the, the nervy part, as you, you know, you kind of said is like, Kelly is in my opinion, the model CrossFitter. She's not bad at literally anything, anything you could make her do. She's in a field of 60 or a field of a hundred. She's going to do very well. The reason that's a nervy thing for 
somebody like myself at a semifinal is the point system doesn't reward that. So, yeah, definitely day one was a slow start. So then I think she picks up a little bit on day two. Yeah, we knew we knew the run, run snatch, snatch run would be good for her. Um, you know, she she would have snatched 200 pounds if she would have had another 90 seconds, if that, which would have been huge. Um, her snatch has come a long way this year. And then, I mean, Kelly's a great runner, especially that kind of shorter mid distance, you know, sprint style run. Um, I don't, I don't mean to throw any shade at anybody, but I still stand by if that would have been a foot race, she would have won. Oh, we're, I'm getting a little feedback here. Oh, God, you were cutting up just a little bit. Oh, my bad. Did so you hear that? I don't mean to throw a little shade and then you cut out. <laughs> then it cuts out. Right? No, I, I think, I think if that, 800 would have been a foot race. I think she would have won. Yeah. Cause she is a much better runner on the actual ground than an air runner. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah definitely a lot of air runner issues this year. We don't need to get into all that. I've seen. Yeah. But no, yeah, we definitely picked up a little steam going into the last day, which was needed. So, so that last event, like, and, and I'm not, I'm, like, I'm invested because we're doing a documentary and yeah. like, yeah. I, I'm at risk of having nobody go on to the games. Right. 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 And so like, I'm dreading this and I've gotten to know Kelly and she's just like the greatest human ever. And so. So before we go on to my near death experience, okay, I do want to, I do want to give her. I don't even know if she's going to watch this, but I want to put this out there for anybody who listens to this. Her event six. She performed that workout that day over a minute faster than she did in testing with regular legless rope climbs. And like, I am so proud of her for that performance and was then and still am right now. And like that kind of a, game day performance and and she and i talked like she probably could have went a little faster like she was a little bit conservative and and in retrospect she needed that yeah well yeah yeah definitely so i just wanted like that kind of a game day performance from an athlete at that level like was so big and as you said like she ended up needing it a lot um but yeah so event seven when i lost like a day off my life so she she's doing really well on the event mm -hmm. as a shorter athlete the echo bike is never something you you want to see for a shorter athlete but she's doing great yep first two legs no problem with the sandbag yep, yep. gets to that last leg gets about half to two-thirds of the way down the floor sandbag drops she trips, she tumbles, and now she's got to go back and pick it up again and start from scratch and get it to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Had a heart attack. And again, yeah. not yeah. as invested as you are, but 
And yeah. so I'm, I am sure that you have lost your shit. I just, I was just like, damn, like, I, I couldn't be mad. Like, it's just, that's just sports. Right. Right. And I just, she fell and I was like, fuck. <laughs> and she got up and she, I mean, she picked it up quick and got across the line and she looked over at me and was like, what's my points? I'm over there with a notebook, like Rain Man, trying to figure out, like I had times written down from the previous heat with like Danny and Bailey. And I didn't have all the times. They didn't have all the times in the computer. And I just couldn't, couldn't do the math fast enough and, and be certain. And I, I just looked at her and I was like, I don't know, but it's okay. Like, it's okay. Like, so she says on Savon that she looked over to you. You were like, it's good. It's okay. It's okay. She thought you meant. She's good. She's yeah. good. No. And, and, sh but she doesn't believe you. Like she thinks you're just saying it to appease her. Right. When really you're just saying no matter what happens. It's okay. We're, we're, it's okay. We're good. Yeah. It's okay. So I'll tell you. We're doing the math. Jamie and I are sitting there. Jamie's doing the math in her head. We forgot all about Bailey. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so, so we're doing the math, and Jamie's like, "I, I think she's in. Like, I think, I think she did enough." Yeah. And then when they were announcing the names, and they announced Bailey's name, we were like, "Oh shit, fuck." Yeah. And. And then it was like, who, who the hell knows? So I, cause I knew where Bailey was going into that event. And then when they called Bailey, I was like, we didn't make it. And so Courtney, my fiance was right. She was with me and she was like, there's still one more spot. There's still one more spot. It's okay. Like there's still one more spot. And then she was like, look, and then they had put the camera on her and Danny. And then they called her name. Thank God. Thank the good Lord. Yes. Yes. So they call her name. Now the, the emotions inside of you have, I'm assuming, switched completely to elation, oh, yeah. joy, all of that. Yeah. Just over the moon. I had no voice left and I, I yelled like as loud as I could. I probably sounded like a dying cat or something. Like I just like, yeah, just the, just the relief too for her, like how gut wrenching that would have been like the work she's put in and then to not make it because of something like that, you know? Um, so apart from that and apart from all the drama that goes on there, cause we're running long. I'm trying to like, Oh, you're good. This up a little bit. Yeah. Is that you have a woman tried to make it as an individual for a few years in the teens, decides to go team, never makes it to the games. Kemp comes close, but never makes it. Goes team, gets to the games. And then this year she decides, you know what? I want to see if I truly, honestly put my heart and soul into this. 
can I make it as an individual? Mm-hmm. Works her ass off, kills every level, open quarters as you're getting there. And then she gets to semis and it comes down to that last moment. Like it's an Eminem song. It's like everything yeah. you ever dreamed of, everything you wanted, this one moment in time, is it going to happen or not? Right? Yeah. And it does. And like, I'm, I have goosebumps right now just talking about it. Oh yeah. Same. Yeah. Because she has, she has accomplished this goal that has been part of her life for 10 years and it sat dormant all that time. Yeah. Well, and I, I told her the biggest takeaway that she should take away, and I think anybody should take away from what happened is because there were people who weren't sure if she was good enough, this, that, and the other all season. The biggest takeaway that should come from event seven is Kelly Baker was fit enough and did enough in the first six events to have a colossal fucking conundrum and still make the games. She did. Right. So like she's and, legit. And you have to say like she had the composure yeah. to fix it in the moment fast. Yeah. Like yeah, it was it was a huge mess up, but she got back on that bag quick. And didn't lose her head, didn't like sit on the ground and cry, didn't like Yep. It was instant, boom, boom. And the competitor in her that was able to do that in that moment sa- says a lot about who she is. Yeah, she's she's a savage, man. So now you have six more weeks of working with Kelly to the games. Yeah. At this point, I mean, can you tweak anything or is it just – is it just getting a little bit better here and there preparing for like those unknown objects, those crazy swim things that all of that. Yeah. So definitely a little bit more of the getting ready for the odd stuff, the swim, the kayak, the bike, you know, all that stuff. Also a little more of the odd objects, axle bars, yoke, that stuff. But with it being such an unknown arena, the goal is to be what it always comes back to, right? As fit as you can be, as strong as you can be, in as many different modalities as you can be. And we got to be an athlete with whatever they throw at us. And just try to be prepared for any of the odd stimuluses and odd things that might come out. What are you looking forward to the most? My guess, and as knowing Kelly, she gets she's going to get to run at some point during that week yeah and she's gonna show like how great she is in that because you said like like she's that prototypical crossfitter that is not great at anything but not bad at anything and is just really damn good at everything yeah but she can run she can run dude i'm definitely excited for her to run i'm definitely also excited that typically there's just more running in everything you run across the field to the finish line. You, you know, you run down the field and all that stuff. Um, I'm excited for her to showcase her fitness in those other modalities. You know, some of the odd stuff and 
things like that. I think she'll enjoy that a lot. And it's a little more fun. I'm, I'm hoping and excited. We finally get a classic CrossFit pain cave workout. Cause there ain't many women on the floor who can hurt like Kelly Baker. And we haven't seen that. <clears throat> like yeah. it really, if you take out shuttle runs and burpee pull-ups, we really haven't seen that. And is so. that truly a pain cave? Like, I mean, if I'm so anti shuttle runs right now, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think shuttle runs, we could just put those to bed for a while. Um, I mean, it was probably the most pain cavey workout we had, unless you got back on the rower on event on the first open workout. Cause then that sucked. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to hopefully see a little bit more classic CrossFit. Um, I am also just excited for, you know, the odd stuff the games throws at you and what we might see and for her to kind of go tackle that stuff. Cause I, I know like, like we're prepping for that stuff and that's the fun part of being at the games. Right. Is that kind uh, of other stuff? Uh, Kenneth says shuttle runs are the best. Can't wait to see them at the games. <sighs> Kenneth run. I disagree with you. Yeah. The only way they would be cool is if they did like the old fashioned suicides. That would be right. Cool. Where it's like, like a long one, then a short one that, you know, something like that, just to change it up. You know what Kelly and I have talked about that would be really cool if they did like a, like the first day of the games was like a mini NFL combine, like a max vert, a bench test, uh, the agility drill with the shuttles side to side. Like that stuff would be kind of cool. So Jeffrey Birchfield's asking, is Tristan wearing a Krispy Kreme t-shirt? No. So this is a Einhorn's team shirt. They modeled it off Krispy Kreme. But uh, no, this is their their team shirt from Semmings. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a it was a clever idea. And uh, Kenneth was wondering the same thing from about forty minutes for about forty minutes. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I had a Krispy Kreme donut. Yeah, I'm not even a fan of their donuts. Like that's no, not. No. no, I go to. I know you interviewed her. I go to Blackline pretty frequently. Uh, Cody Vitito, the coffee and donut shop she opened. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, she's so this is way off subject, but you know, she <laughs> talked about their cereal milk lattes, uh-huh. uh, which just sound like incredible to me. Well, my daughter sent me a TikTok last night and my wife and I went to this place here in Columbus where they make cereal milk ice cream. Ooh. And, um, and in this ice cream shop, there's a speakeasy where you pull the, the Coke machine and behind it is like a hallway back to a bar. Nice. And it was the coolest little joint. Like it's so cool to see, but I got fruity pebble ice cream last night. Nice. Uh, as I was, uh, I would, I'd promised myself an ice cream treat last Friday, missed it. Didn't have ice cream all week. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go try this little joint. And I got me some Fruity Pebble ice cream. And it was delicious. Fruity Pebbles are the best, dude. So. 
Sorry. Oh, you're good. Uh, so with that, um, well, I want to thank you, Tristan, for being on. Uh, like I said, yeah. you are crushing it at the coaching game. Thank and you, I'm you. sure like you're going to have people lining up at your door. Uh, is, is there a bandwidth <clears throat> you like you have to at some point just say, I can't do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely can only take on so many athletes at a time, especially for the, the level of communication I provide to my remote athletes who aren't here. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a bandwidth limit. Um, but I would say if you like what I do, that is what we do at Ascend. So you may not be able to get me right now, but we have plenty of amazing coaches. Hattie being one of them, um, Mahmood, you know, Carrie Tobias is one of our coaches um, who would love to sit down and talk with athletes who might look for some one-on-one coaching and the methods we all use are the methods that I've been using this year. And correct me if I'm wrong. Carrie was on the team with Kelly last year. No, Emily Tanner was on the team with Kelly okay. last year. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So many athletes. There's a lot of, yeah, dude, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, well, it's been a treat talking to you, Chris, Tristan, and I am sure uh, I will see you in Madison. Yes, sir. Um, and we are up there. And maybe we'll chat before that, but uh, it's been awesome getting to know you and how this all came to be and how how much improvement you got out of the 10 athletes that you took to semifinals this year. Um, that is just a staggering number for a guy in their first year really coaching elite athletes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and with that, hey, everybody in the chat, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been awesome. And we'll catch everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast. C4 Energy, Extend, and Cellucor are delivering the most effective, best tasting, and highest quality products for you. Get 20% off when you use the code Clydesdale at checkout at C, the number four energy.com. That's C4energy.com. And now back to the interview.